Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh, new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke, patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, hallelujah, and very warm greetings to you, my dear friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with a Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the blessed, inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. I am so grateful for the Word of God. And today's broadcast will come from Luke chapter 7, um, beginning in verse 11. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 11. And you know, I want to explain something to you that is very unusual, but which I think the Lord, I think I made a mistake last week in last week's broadcast. I forgot, believe it or not, I forgot that the week before that, I had already preached on Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. And then I, and then I ended up preaching the same verses last week. And I remember thinking, and I realized it right towards the end of the message. If you remember listening to it, you can tell that something happened. And you could almost, you could almost tell I was a bit confused for a moment because I realized, oh no, I've already preached this message. But, but last week's message was different than the previous week, even though uh, it was the same verses. And also, I, I spent a lot more time praying uh, at the end of the message last week than I did in the previous week. And so I just had to conclude that even though I made a mistake, I think somehow the Lord was in that and he, he used it for his glory. Now, the other thing I mentioned last week, I think I should re uh, repeat again this week, although I think I'm going to try to make it quicker is that uh, if you're interested, you can get, um, I have four books that I published and you can get them on amazon.com if you have access to Amazon. Now I know that this broadcast goes throughout the United States and uh, South America, Mexico, the Caribbean, Cuba, it, it reaches all of Africa and it reaches up into Europe now, in, in many nations in Africa, you can, if you have access to Amazon.com, I think that you can get my book. And the same thing in South America, if you have access to Amazon.com, I think you can get my book as well. Certainly in the United States and Canada, you can get my books. But I, I just highly recommend them to you. I have two devotionals. Uh, volume 1 and Volume 2 on uh, key Hebrew and Greek words. It will take you so much deeper into the Word of God. And then I have a very in-depth study uh, through 
Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, that book will always be my favorite one, uh, although it's very close with the Hebrew and Greek words. And then I also have a very in-depth study on the book of Revelation, chapters 1 through 7, and it's volume 1. And again, so if you're interested and you're able to get those books on Amazon, then all you have to do is type my name in the search bar, Brad Abley, and those books will come up. All right, let's get into the Word of God. We are in Luke chapter 7, but this time we are in verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 11 in our series. This is the 45th message in our series, the Know Your Faith series. Let's pray and we'll get right to it. Now, Father, this is your word. We thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, you are the master teacher. We thank you that you desire to teach us, to lead us and guide us into your truth. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for us. We thank you that you are the risen Lord Jesus and that you alone can save. And we're asking now, Holy Spirit, that you would transform us, change us, and transform us into the image of Jesus to become more like him. And we desire to produce great fruit for your namesake, both presently and eternally. So we commit this time to you. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, funny enough, last week's title uh, was Jesus, the compassionate Lord over death, despair, and tragedy. Well, I'm going to use the same title, and I'm just going to call it part two. So that's the title of the message, Jesus, the compassionate Lord over death, despair, and tragedy, part two from Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Ready? Let's read what Luke has written, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, N-A-I-N. It's not that far from, his, uh, from where he was living in Capernaum. And his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Verse 12, now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a sizable crowd from the city was with her. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, Notice he saw her, not the coffin carrying the dead boy. When he saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, do not weep. Stop weeping. Now, in, in that society, when someone died, as it, as it is certainly in Africa, probably Latin America, when a loved one dies, there is loud wailing, loud wailing. And 
And, you know, they're just, it doesn't stop. But Jesus wanted to take control over the situation. And he didn't say it in a mean way, but he said it because he wanted to get her attention. Do not weep or stop weeping. Verse 14, and he came up and he touched the coffin. And the bearers of the coffin came to a halt. So he, he, with his authority, tells the mother to stop weeping. And with his authority, simply by touching the coffin, the bearers, that is those who were carrying the coffin, came to a halt. This is the authority of Jesus. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Verse 15 the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all. Who is all? Well, it's the disciples. It's the large crowd that uh, had accompanied Jesus. And it is the large crowd, the sizable crowd, that was joining uh, the mother and her son in the coffin. And we would have been, fear would have gripped us as well if we had witnessed, if we had witnessed this event. Don't you agree? Fear gripped them all and they began glorifying God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. And this report concerning him went out over all Judea and in the surrounding district. Now they called Jesus a great prophet. And sure enough, he was. And God visited his people. And sure enough, he did. But what they didn't understand yet is Jesus was not only a great prophet. He is God the Son and the Son of Man the Messiah of the world who uh, was crucified for our sins, was sinless, dead, buried, and rose again to give us eternal life. He is the Savior of the world. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says this, And there is salvation in no other name. That's what Peter said. There is salvation in in no other name, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And he's speaking of Jesus of Nazareth. And of course, Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to me, comes to the Father, except through me. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus, my friend? Have you been forgiven of your sins by faith in him? I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive him as your Lord and Savior at the end of this message. Now, we have called this message, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus, the compassionate Lord over death, despair, and tragedy, part two. You know, I just want to stop and just say 
in his presence right now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your presence is with us. I can sense it. They can sense it. Lord, be glorified. Touch lives. Minister to people. Reveal yourself to people. You are so good. You are so good. You are so good. We love you. We extol we extol you, we exalt you, we magnify you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your sweet presence. <laughs> Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence, Lord. I feel your presence here. And I know many, many people that are listening to this broadcast sense your presence. They sense your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me get back to the message, my friends. This, this passage demonstrates Jesus as the compassionate and redemptive Savior. There's only one Savior in the world, and he is compassionate, and he is a redeemer. Now, this is a unique miracle in that Jesus acted on his own. There was no request from anyone that he raised the boy from the dead. Unlike the previous passage that we studied last week, where the Roman centurion um, asked Jesus to come and heal his slave who was almost dead, or, or Jairus who asked Jesus to come and raise his daughter from the dead, in this case, Jesus acted alone. Why? Because he is God the Son. And then there was, there was no act of faith required from the mother, from the mother or from anyone else. This is an amazing thing. It's unusual. Usually there's a request. Usually there's an act of faith, as in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, where the centurion said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. But in this case, there was no request. There was no act of faith from anyone and so Jesus acts alone as only God can. Now, there's, there's something else that I want to point out, that in the Old Testament, Elijah, in 1 Kings 17, verses 17 and forward, and Elisha, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 18 and following, both of them raised the dead. However, they prayed to the Lord first, that is recognizing that only Yahweh could answer their prayer and heal the, and in both cases, they were children. But in this case, Jesus doesn't need to pray because he is the Lord over death. Lord Jesus, you are the compassionate. Yes, you are. You are the compassionate Lord over death despair and tragedy, and we're asking that you would move mightily, powerfully in among this listening audience to raise the dead and to overcome despair and tragedy even as we speak. Hallelujah. One commentator that I love in his commentary on Luke uh, from a... a well over a hundred years ago, his name is Alfred Alfred Plummer. 
Well, he helpfully points out that nearly all recorded instances in Scripture of raising the dead were performed for women. Isn't that interesting? Well, in this case, what was the woman? She was a widow. What would have happened without this son? She would have been doomed to poverty because the son would have provided for her. So she was in a very dangerous situation. A very dangerous situation. Another commentator writes this, explains this of this major move of God. Notice he says, he says, our Lord's words are deeply human. Speaking of the humanity of Jesus, he says, don't cry. But only he, only Jesus could say that and at the same time remove the cause of those tears. Isn't that amazing? Otherwise, such words would be hollow, though well-meant. You know, it's funny. I I prayed for a woman at the end of our church service last Sunday, and I wasn't thinking about this passage at the time, but she was weeping. I mean, she was just convulsing in tears and just did not stop. And I know she was troubled. I know she's going through some hard things. And I said to her in a very gentle way, I said, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but I want you to stop crying because I want to minister to you. And she did right at that moment. Only later did I realize, wow, Jesus did the same thing. But it's always for a redemptive purpose. Now, Jesus moved with compassion. No surprise there, because our God is a God of compassion. You know, by the way, this, this Greek word translated compassion was the strongest or is the strongest word in the Greek language of genuine, deep concern or sympathy. Now, that's important, my friends, and here's why. Because in the time that this was written, remember now Luke wrote primarily to a Greek Gentile audience. Now, why is that important? Well, the, the Greeks at that time worshipped well over 600 gods and goddesses. And not one of them, not one was known as having compassion, any compassion whatsoever toward their worshipers. Jesus stands alone in this regard in ancient history and now throughout the world, and it will always be that way in the future. And so Luke's original readers would have understood this and they would have been extremely encouraged by that and they would have their faith would have been built and they would have seen the lord in ways that perhaps they had never seen him another commentator william barclay he writes this he said the noblest faith in the ancient world was stoicism this is was a greek uh philosophy and they were uh, they were called the Stoics. He said, the Stoics believed that the primary characteristic of God, listen to this, was apathy, incapability 
of feeling emotions, especially uh, these, these gods and goddesses. So you see, my friends, I'm saying all this to say that the gospel going into this society had a powerful impact because why? The people had no hope. They worshiped Zeus. They worshiped, um, they worshiped Aphrodite. They worshiped Apollo. They worshiped uh, all kinds of different gods and goddesses, all of whom were immoral, none of whom was called holy, none of whom was loving, and none of them would ever give his life willingly for the redemption of people. Of course, they were not real gods. They were gods of imagination of the philosophers. But Jesus is Lord. And the fact that he moved with compassion is no surprise because one of the greatest statements of all anywhere in the Bible comes in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 34 when God was building the nation of Israel and he said to Moses, in effect, Moses, this is how I want to reveal myself to the people uh, through you. And he said to Moses, Moses was asking uh, for Yahweh to reveal himself to Moses, but he couldn't because he said, no man can see me and live. And so what he did is he passed by in front of him. And in some way that we don't fully understand, Moses saw the backside of God, if you will. Well, what we see in, in Exodus 34, verse 6 is this. Then the Lord, that is Yahweh, or some of you refer to him as Jehovah, that's fine. Then Yahweh passed by in front of him, that is in front of Moses, and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. That is when he repeats a name that always it's always in the context of tenderness, love, compassion. He does that somewhere between eight and ten times throughout the Bible. Moses, Moses, Samuel, Samuel, Jacob, Jacob, Abraham, Abraham, Martha, Martha, Saul, Saul, as in Paul the Apostle, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Uh, those in every single instance when the Lord repeats a name, he's doing it to indicate tenderness, affection, compassion. That's who he is, my friends. And so he says, the Lord, the Lord God, or Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. What does it say? Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. What does the Hebrew word translated compassionate mean? It means a deep love, racham, a deep love from a, a superior to an inferior. And then gracious, hain, H-E-N, is, is a heartfelt response from someone with something to give to someone in need who also has no real claim to gracious treatment. 
And then adding to that, he says, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Oh, that word loving kindness, I think is one of, is maybe the most important name, uh, the most important word in the Bible. It's, it's, it's uh, spelled H-E-S-E-D, but in Hebrew it's pronounced chesed, and it is steadfast love, mercy, covenant loyalty, devotion, faithfulness, and favor. That's a powerful word, and it's translated in the Old Testament in all six ways. This is this is the, a wonderful God. Would you say these words with me? Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. Say these words with me. Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim. You are compassionate. You have a deep love for me and you are gracious. You have a, a heartfelt response to me. You are slow to anger and you are abounding in loving kindness in and truth. Isn't it isn't it powerful my friend to say to to repeat the word of God back to the Lord? I encourage you to do that anywhere in scripture. And so we've seen today that the Lord is indeed compassionate. He healed because of his compassion and he is the Lord over death and despair and tragedy. Nothing is impossible with him. I assure you, my friends, nothing is impossible with him. And let's go to him in prayer right now and let's let's trust him for him to meet needs. Father, be glorified through answered prayer today. Would you meet needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus? Father, I'm asking, we're asking that you would heal people from the coronavirus and that you would be merciful throughout the world and rid the world of this plague by your mercy. Lord, we're asking, there's so much violence throughout the world. Everywhere we turn in every nation, it seems like violence is on the rise and we're asking that you would thwart violence everywhere in the name of Jesus. Father, send forth your angels to protect your people from violence, to protect the world from violence. Do battle against uh, ungodly, wicked people who seek to, to rape and steal and kill. Lord, intervene in the name of Jesus. Intervene in the world through wicked nations that are bringing evil in the world, China and Russia and North Korea and Iran. Lord, intervene with corrupt governments and corrupt business owners. Lord, sweep through the nations and bring awakening that is, salvations throughout the earth and revival and reformation to your church. Cause us, your church, to obey you. Provide, Father, supernaturally for every financial need, every financial need. 
provide Lord Jesus supernaturally healing for every single person listening to this broadcast that is suffering with sickness or disease. Lord, more importantly than anything else, draw us to yourself. Cause your people to hunger and thirst for you and to seek you and to search for you with all of our hearts. Help us to delight in obedience. Protect us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Ignite our hearts to be on fire for you. Give us your heart for the unsaved. Give us your heart for one another. And be glorified in our lives, both now and forevermore, we ask in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way.